it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. We started the year with a, in a season or a question, start with why. And if you look at the... Um, if you look at the bullseye, this is the IY or the golden circle, depending on where you find it, right? And so most people start from the outside in and they start with what and they figure out how they're going to do it. And their why is not really a why. It's a desired result to make more money, to um, provide for my family, to, and, and those are all good reasons. Those are all good results that we want to see. But the reality is, is the people who actually start from the inside out end up finding purpose and direction because they're working from, from why they're here. And so we've discussed your why the first couple weeks. And uh, last week and this week, we're talking about our why, our why as the church. And so uh, we talked about Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 42 through 47 last week. And this is where we see the first model of the church, except it wasn't a model. It was organic. It was very organic. And there's a couple C words here um, that you see. They consistently gathered in community. They were consistently together. And the Bible tells they were like family, right? They remembered Jesus, so they took communion together on a regular basis. They connected in prayer on a regular basis. They connected to God the Father through prayer, and they showed compassion to one another, which only made them feel more like family and made and made those who were not part of the group feel like family because we were compassionate. It's the same compassion that Jesus shows to us. And because they were real with each other, because they honored one another, and they operated in love, they were one body full of like-minded people who shared everything, and because they did, they witnessed God move on their behalf. This is what you see in the book of Acts. And so it says he added to their number daily, and, and we don't want to get lost in that number. It's not about the number. It's always about the individual, the one. He added, he added one to them every day. And this is how the church was built. It was kingdom perspective because when one person comes into the community of faith, one person also comes into the kingdom. It's with kingdom mindset and kingdom perspective. And so when you look at our why from last week, here's the graphic. You see that the why, the center of this is at Redefined Church is real relationship. And we believe that if we will be honest and we will honor and we will show biblical hospitality, that creates unity. That's our how. That's how we actually build real relationships. And then outside of that, how do we do that? We learn, we love, we learn, we live, and we lead. And there's a great description for all those. But when honesty, honor, hospitality, and unity are, are when, when honor honesty, and hospitality are present, there's an opportunity. The opportunity for unity is great. And you see that happen because, because honor and hospitality are both done honestly with realness. So we would call that be real, respect one another, and relate to one another, right? And what you see is when we get over ourselves and we become about each other, that builds the church. We show that compassion. It's not about what I think or my view or my opinion or what I believe or who I voted for or any of the other things. It's just me, me, me. When we get over ourselves we come and we become about others, that builds the church. It's, it builds community because relationships are established. You're never going to build a relationship arguing with somebody about what you believe or what they believe or why or why they believe that or, or who said that or, or any of that stuff, right? You're not going to build a relationship focused on what separates you. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about why we build the church. Why do we the human race build the church. And when you look in the Bible, I, I shared this last week, but you need to know it. The word church in your Bible translates in the Greek to community. We heard it say a community of faith, a community of 
believers. And the church's original intention was community. It wasn't religion. It wasn't denomination. It wasn't tradition or style or the modern spin or or really even our current model. The model was community. And that community was like-minded believers. And you say, well, I don't like church, so I'm not going to be. And that's not it. I don't like that denomination. That's it. You're talking, you're focused on what is separating or dividing or making you different. They were like-minded in the fact that they believed in Jesus. They called Jesus Savior. And they rallied around that. And that's how they were a like-minded community of believers because God worked on their behalf. They understood why Jesus came. They believed that Jesus saved. Therefore, they walked in that. They were like-minded believers. Doesn't mean that they voted the same way. It doesn't mean that they that they all believe that you should eat uh one one uh eat your meat first and then your vegetables and then you know it didn't it didn't mean that you had to eat the same way or think the same way or drive the same car or any of that. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's just believing Jesus. Jesus is the center. And so I shared a, a church joke with you last week that you cannot have community without you and I. But more importantly, you can't have community without that last word, unity right? And that's what the church is about. This is unity. The church is about community. It's not comfort. It's not convenience. It's not consumption. It's about the cause. It's about the vision and the heart of Jesus, right? And so the church has nothing to do with brick and mortar. It's not about that beautiful, that beautiful church, that beautiful steeple. It's about our way of being in the world, and it's tied to Jesus's vision for community or Jesus' vision for the church. It's about relationships. It's about your relationships. It's about your relationships in your community. And so this is why we understand the church to be a body of believers, not a building. This is why we believe the church is a movement that we lead, not a monument that we visit, right? And so here's what you need to know. I love the church. I love the church. I believe it's the greatest cause on the face of the earth. And when I say that, when I say that, I'm talking about you. You're the greatest cause on the face of the earth. That's what Jesus said, right? You're the reason God sent his son. You're the reason Jesus lived a perfect life and died sinless. You're the reason. You're the greatest cause on the face of the earth. Because the why of the original church was to build the individual, not to pour some concrete, place a cornerstone, and create a program. The why of the original church was to build the individual. We see it in Acts. And so when you see those individuals in Acts come together, they are alike by the fact that they called Jesus Savior. That's what made them a community of faith. It's why we build the church with one in mind. We always build the church with one in mind. You see, uh, there's so many, so many stories of this in the Bible. You look mainly about um, going after the one, right? Shepherd will leave the 99 and go after the one. That's Jesus. That's what Jesus does. So it starts with one person, and that person leads to a connection with one body of believers, which turns into one community of faith and creates one movement. Now, that movement has been on the roller coaster of who knows what over the past 2,000 years, but the movement still exists. The movement remains. And it's the same movement that we were left to lead as believers today in 2021. And so we're to lead this until Jesus returns. Some people think he's coming back real soon, okay? And so then, the church, so then the church, again, it's not about concrete cornerstones and, and programming, right? It's, and and, and it's, it's about the individual. 
And so church is not about entertainment. It's not what we do inside. This is not that thing that it's became to where, uh, well, this is just like one of the other things that I do. And so so I do that. Because it, when church becomes one just another thing that you do, you find that, that its priority starts sinking and then it, it eventually makes it off your list. And it's done that for 56% of the people in our country. Okay? And so... Um, when you see that, when you realize the church is not for entertainment, but it's where we get the gospel imparted to us, right? This is where we come and we get filled up. We get fed, right? The gospel is imparted to us. It's not an entertainment that we go and, and watch, right? Coming together in a community with open hands and hearts is how we learn. It's how we live. And it's how we lead the gospel for others. It's how we lead the gospel for ourselves in our personal lives. And so, when you see the first church and how it's intended to be, you understand it was about community. It was about community. I believe this is why you see in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You didn't, the community of faith and like-minded believers weren't all the exact same knowledge. You didn't walk into a room of know-it-alls where if you encourage somebody, they would say, yes, and. It was, oh, thank you, man. That's, that spoke to me today. I needed to hear that. Thank you so much. There was never a rebuttal. Iron sharpened iron. Some were older, some were younger. Some were wiser, some were dumber. Like, that's just real. And so it's not like, well, to be a part of the church, you have to, you have to meet this expectation. You don't. Jesus really says, come as you are. Come to me, all of you. All of you who are weary, right? Everyone. I'm not weary, but don't be prideful, okay? Because we've all hit a slump, especially over the last 10, 11 months now, where it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. And so then I heard one guy say his mailman was thinking about going to church. Like, that's where he's at in his life. He's like, man, it's so bad. I'm thinking about going to church. Like, come on, man. Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? And so then, that said, you can see the reason why our modern version the business model, right? The business model approach built through programming, entertainment, and statistics. You can see why that is dying because it's empty. It's not centered on the relationship that we have with God because Jesus came and restored that relationship, right? It's not built on that. The church was never meant to be a build it and they will come model. That's what we've made it in Western culture. The church exists to build people so they become right? It's discipleship. And that's what we're going to discuss next week. Build them and they will become is greater than build it and they will come. Because when you put all of your stock and build it and they will come, you have to spend a ton of money in marketing and catchy phrases and, and you know, all the things that are just current in 2021 to entertain people, to hope that, to hope that they come. And the reality is if we'll just get to the gospel as the church, as the American church, the capital C church, people will come because the gospel is what saves. The gospel is what, is what unites, right? And so Peter wasn't contracted. We all know this. Peter wasn't contracted by Jesus to build a building. He was commissioned to build people, to continue being who he had already been, to continue to impart the gospel, not to entertain. It was like, hey, now that you're doing this, hey, make sure you set up and get that thing rolling, right? This happens one person at a time, and it gets really good in community where honesty, honor, and biblical hospitality are present. That's when we become one body. 
but it happens with one person first, and that means shelving our pride and receiving the grace that God's given us through his son Jesus, right? And so it's why we say community is not where we live, it's who we are. Community is not where we live, it's who we are. Now, community is defined differently all over the country, right? And it's great to love the place that you live, but if you live there alone, how great is it really? Right? If you can't have real relational community, how great is it really, especially if it's taken away from you or you can't enjoy it? It's not. It's not. Depression goes even further, right? And the truth is this. If the church, if the church was about the place we gather in our communities, we would be there way more than one hour per week. There are 168 hours in a week, 168 of them. We tend as believers to spend one hour there. Now, if we volunteer, it might be two to three hours. So let's say you had 165 hours out of the week. There are three hours. There's huge potential in those three hours. There's huge potential in your one hour if you only attend. Huge potential in one hour because you're going to, to have the gospel given to you, imparted to you. And so knowing that, man, if this really was the greatest place in my community, it's one of the most beautiful places in your community, right? You look across the world, churches are the most beautiful buildings built in the most beautiful places on the planet. But God's not impressed with the structure. And we've done that. We say, oh, look at this. It's not about the structure. It's beautiful. It is. And, and listen, a lot of people put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that structure. But if they were what they're supposed to be in our community, we'd be there more than one hour a week. It's not the place, it's the people. It's not the place, it's the people. Regardless of where you're, where you're watching from today or listening from right now, the chances are the pandemic didn't bother you a bunch. Yeah, it's wrecking. It is wrecking the restaurant industry, right? But what's wrecked more than that is your personal health. It's your personal health because you're missing community, because God created you for community. From the beginning, you were created for community. That's why he created Eve right after he made Adam. Not good for this guy to be alone. He needs somebody. You need somebody. I need somebody. We need community. It's not the place. When I did a, deal, when I did a survey, it was never about the place. It was about the people. People miss community more than anything in that. And so in that, let's look at Jesus' vision for his community. Let's look at Jesus' vision for the church. If you have your Bibles, you go to John chapter 17, and we're going to be in verse 20 through 23. And this is Jesus' vision for the church, which I would say his community, the community of faith, our community. And so then, this is Jesus uh, giving us his vision very clearly, very, very clear right here in a prayer. This is his last prayer before his arrest. So this was the final prayer that he prayed to God. Let's pick up in verse 20. It says, I do not ask for these only. And he's talking about his disciples. Lord, he's, he's already into the prayer in verse 20. I do not ask for these only. That's the disciples he's talking about. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That's us. He prays for us and he asks on our behalf. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. Verse 21. That they may all be one. That's the human race. There's no separation. There's no rank in that. There's no right and left. There's no Democrat or Republican in that that the human race would be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world, the human race, 
may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That's us. That's us. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them. Come on. That they may be one even as we are one. Yes, again, that we would be united. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. The human race together, unified, is what he is praying. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. God loves you. What you see in that is God loves you like he loves Jesus. He loves you like a son. He loves you like a daughter. He loves you. And he wants you to be connected in community, that we would be one. You cannot have community without unity, right? And so we're going to look at Jesus' why here. Jesus' why is pretty simple. Throw the eye up. And what you see is this is his, his whole hope in this prayer that is yet to be answered, that will be answered. It will be answered. So we are part of the solution this morning. As much as you don't like a lot of people right now, as much as you don't like your circumstance, or as much as you love your circumstance right now, you are still part of the solution. Jesus says this, his why was unity, that the world would be one. How did he do that? He learned the Father's will. He learned the Father's will. He was obedient to that will. Even though he prayed, Lord, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, please, sweating drops of blood, Lord, if there's any other way. He was obedient to the Father's will. He loved, he loves, and he served. That's how he did it. That's how he did it. Now, what do you do? He lived sinless. He lived a perfect life, right? He led others. Led others. Those who followed him, and he led others. He was an example for those who didn't want to follow him, right? He restored. It's a big word. He healed, helped, forgave. He restored. Even bigger, he restored your relationship to the Father. And he died on the cross to seal it. Confirmed. Sealed it. Now, what I want you to see is on these I on these wise or on this IY, you if you look at this from a human perspective and how we like to approach this, or how we like to attack this thing, right? If you start from the outside and go in, it's not that he thought, well, I think I should die on a cross. And if I die on the cross, um, then that'll lead others. And if I lead others, if that helps lead others, then, um, then, that, then they'll all come together. Do you see how backwards it is now when I give you Jesus' example of how the human, how the human race likes to work from the outside in? You work it inside out and you understand there's, there's deep heart, there's deep conviction, there's a deep why here. And so what I hope you see is that John 17 should be all of our prayer. This should be all of our prayer. We should pray the same prayer as Jesus. We should pray that we will be one with each other. We should pray that we'd be one with God. Being one with each other and being one with God takes real relationship. Honor, honesty, and hospitality. Real. Being real. We should be praying that we would all do our part to bring unity right? And not just pray it, but then I want to get action to it. I want this to be in our feet. Let's lead it. We need to show people what that means. We need to show it. Now, that's easier said than done, especially depending on where you live, where your culture, your climate, and this can feel almost impossible. 
And so I'm giving you your action step early. We are just past the halfway point. Your action step early. Start by loving each other. Start by loving each other. If you do not know what love is, be nice. If he doesn't want to walk, walk with him, but be nice, right? Love each other. Encourage each other. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Hey, man, your encouragement to somebody might be the only encouragement they they hear that day. 80% of every person's self-talk is negative. So when you walk by and say, hey, man, did you get a haircut? Hey, did you, I like that shirt. Ooh, where'd you get them shoes? That might, that's, that's nothing. That costs you nothing and could light somebody's day up. Encourage each other. Listen to each other. Two eyes, two ears, one mouth. You've heard it all before, right? Listen. Listen intently. Listen to understand, not to respond. Listen to each other. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. That's not hard. That's really not hard. Awkward. You're afraid to get it all. Get it. I get it. It's nothing to say, hey, man, can I pray for you? Now I'm going to pray for that. Is it okay if I pray for that right now? Yeah. Yeah. I've never had anybody tell me, no, no, you can't pray. You know why? Because there's a reverence for God that you don't even know is there, right? And lastly, focus on the things that we have in common. Focus on what you have in common. If you wake up Monday morning dreading all the people you're going to come in contact with because they do not think like you, your engagements are going to be bad. They're going to be bad, right? When you see this action step, this is what a community of faith does. This is the church. This is us. This is us right here. Love each other. Encourage each other. Listen to each other. Pray for each other. And focus on what we have in common. This is action to Jesus' prayer in John 17. That said, that said, let me flip this just a second, okay? Anybody, anybody, it takes almost zero effort to cause strife and create division. It's careless. It's very careless, okay? It's easy to get lost in that because we don't want to fix ourselves. We have enough stuff going on in our lives that hey, it's much easier just to blame somebody else or to make fun of somebody else or to attack somebody else than it is to fix myself, right? And the Bible says, get the, get the, uh, and he says, the speck and get the plank out of your eye before you take the, the speck out of your neighbors, right? We have to, we have to look, we have to look inward. Acts 20, 28, take heed to yourself and then everything else, and then the flock, right? Galatians 5.26 warns us of this. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. If, if your actions are rooted in being conceited, provoking one another or envying one another, that's negative fruit. And there's going to be negative um, results from that. Do not be that. That doesn't create unity. Now, what else doesn't create unity? Right now, politics are not creating unity. I got asked the other day, man, I really don't hear a lot. Like you, you just talk a lot about the Bible. And that's true. Because if I come in talking about anybody, it doesn't matter who I say right now. It does not matter. I alienate 50% of the people who are engaged. It'd be, it just, it'd be just like me walking in. And um, I grew up like in Oklahoma State, in Oklahoma. If I were to be in a, in a pulpit or on stage today, and I'd say, hey, man, how about Oklahoma State, man? They're really playing great basketball. All the Oklahoma fans would shut me off and they wouldn't listen. It's the same thing. I'm not saying that it doesn't have, they are issues that we have to talk about. And there are ways that you should pray and there are ways that you should vote as a Christian. As a Christian, where those lines have been crossed, they've been blurred. It's real fuzzy right now. It's real fuzzy right now. 
And so here's, the, here's my encouragement to you, and here's the response to that. Jesus didn't tell me to look to the left or look to the right. He didn't tell me to do either of those. He told me to look up. Colossians 3 says, turn your eyes to things above, not below. Think on those things. Think on those things, because when we turn to the left and the right, whoo, it is a mess. It's a mess. And what you need to know is government cannot unify us. Because nobody's going to listen to any person, regardless of how they look or what side they sit on, when they say, unify. Government can't do that. Government cannot make us equal. They can't. Jesus created us equal. Jesus unifies us. Period. That's it. And we've got so lost looking to other people. The Bible says, put your, put your hope in man and he'll let you down every time. It doesn't matter, red, blue, doesn't matter. Right, left, Democrat, Republican. Put your faith in that person and they're going to let you down. They're going to let you down. They're a human being. They're imperfect. Period. Before this election, I would say that we were two parts whole. We had the right and we had the left. And we were connected by the middle by the heart and soul of our country, which is represented by both sides, okay? But the middle of the body, the center, the body is what unites the right and the left, okay? That is. Now, today, more divided than ever. It's rough, right? Not only more divided than ever, there's no respect, okay? No trust for leadership, authority, any of that. We've lost it. As a people, not as you, as a people, we've lost it. Our privacy is being attacked. Freedom of speech is being revoked for American people, okay? And the values of faith and family are under attack. That does not bring unity. What brings unity is the action step I gave you earlier, why if you put that action step up right now, that'd be great. And so today we're more divided than ever. And I would say that if in previous years we were two parts whole, right and left, this, this time around we're like five parts whole, right? And so we are, we are uh, the right and the extreme right. We're the left and the extreme left. And we're that middle, the middle part is still there, but they're to a place where they quite frankly don't care. Quite frankly, my dear, that's where they're at. And the sad part about that is that's where a lot of Christians are. They're in the middle. How can I get out of this? Like, I'm just sick of this. Like, do we need to move to like Australia or Canada? Like, how do we just, how do we get out of this mess? And it's been made like this, this really humongous ordeal. And we're to the point where we're just like, I am sick of this. And that's not our place as the church. That's not our place as the body of believers to be looking for the, for the way out. We should be looking for the way in and the way to lead through this. People are looking to us. And we either look like a bunch of clowns who believe in a piece of paper, okay? Or we look like who God's called us to be, and we represent the church God's most prized possession, that's you, that's me. And we stand up and we sprinkle a little salt. We might not be that salty. It's okay. We sprinkle a little salt 
and we shine a little light and we live out these action steps and we be about what Jesus put us here for and we see people come together because we create the environment for unity when we show up with love, encouragement, and forgiveness, right? And so we might be divided, but we still find ourselves as Americans, as Americans. And more importantly than that, sons and daughters of the Most High, you're royalty today. Even if you don't feel like it, you are. And so our why from last week, you see that it was real relationships. The real relationships is our why. And then you saw that we had um, honor, honesty, and hospitality. If those three are present, we have a great opportunity. We have potential. We have great potential. The environment's right for us to come together as one people and rally around the things that we have in common. Unity, right? By loving, learning, living, and leading what it means to be like Jesus. And so then, I want to focus on unity, on those three H's that create the U, the three H's that create the U. To become one people, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. To become one people, we must come as we are. We must come as we are. Be honest. It's Romans 3.23. Must. To become one people, we must respect everyone, period. It's honor. It's biblical honor. And, and, and it's rooted in honesty. That's Romans 12.10. To become one people, we must love, welcome, accept, and embrace others. Be hospitable. Biblical hospitality welcomes people on their terms. It's like, I think Planet Fitness calls it the judgment-free zone. Okay? That's <laughs> what it is. I see you as a, as a child of God. I see you as a son or a daughter. I see you as one who needs the hope of Jesus, the light of the world. That's how I see you. And I see you being created in the same image that I was created as, in as. And so then I'm going to walk with you. I don't know everything that you've been through. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what's happened in your past. But man, I know that God is greater than all that. And I'm, and I'm here to walk with you because I've walked through some of the similar crap. That's it. That's it. When that's present, we share the same heart. We become like the people in the church of Acts. Same heart. The same heart is unity. The same heart is unity. To become one, to be about why Jesus came and what he prayed, we must believe Philippians 2, 1 through 5. And in honor of Martin Luther King Week, I just want to quote uh, probably one of one of my favorite quotes of his is this is we must learn to live together as brothers, or we will perish together as fools. And that's true. Martin Luther King was an activist and a minister. So Amen. Amen. And so here's what Philippians 2, 1 through 5 says. So if there's any encouragement, you can relate these to our action steps. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, that Spirit being Galatians 5, 22 through 25, you might write that down. Any affection, come on, and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind. <laughs> Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind. 
You wanna know why we don't talk any of the any of the malarkey that's happening right now? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's the mind I want to have. I have the mind of Christ. Can't get busy looking left or right. I gotta get my eyes up. Especially in the position I sit in. I have to keep my eyes up. Do I listen? Do I watch? Do I hear? Yes, I do. But really, most of it's given to me. I don't have to search it out. Okay? Why? If there's any encouragement in Christ, there's any encouragement. And there's a whole ton if our eyes will come up. We saw, we saw what bad fruit is in Galatians 5.26 when I talk about anybody can create division. That was 5.26, okay? Anybody can cause strife, create division because we get conceited, we get selfish, right? That's Galatians 5.26. I want to look at 5.22 through 25, which I referenced in uh, Philippians right here, in Philippians uh, 2 verse 1. Remember, it says, any, particip any participation in the Spirit. So let's look at that Spirit. This is Galatians 5, 22-25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You're not going to ruffle any feathers doing that, right? <whistles> Glory. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit, your three parts, soul, spirit, soul, body. Keep in step with the spirit. Don't keep in step with the flesh. When you want to get in the physical realm and stop operating in the physical, you're not in the spirit. And so that leads to arguments, confrontations, conflict, division. It's me versus you. And we just ratchet each other up in the, in the arguments and all the disagreements that we have because we're not operating in the spirit. When we operate in the spirit, you see these fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. Woohoo! Come on. This is this is unity right here. What you need to know is this. This is unity led individually with humility. Humility. It builds relationships. It creates unity. So what does that look like today? What does that look like today? What does that look like today? We need to tie the spirit to your why from the first two weeks, our why from last week and today, and why we are a community of faith all together, okay? We're gonna do this full screen. I want you to open your Bibles, if uh, if you have one, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm gonna read this together, and I'm gonna kind of be all over the place, so just hang with me. And so if you go to 1 Corinthians 12, we're gonna start in verse 12. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And what Paul is talking about here is us. He's talking about us, the body. Okay. And here's what he says. He says, um, whoops. <laughs> he says, uh, for as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all made to do, made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. Let's pause there. Now, after verse 14, um, what Paul talks about is, is one part can't say to the other, hey, deuces, don't need you. And this part can't say to the other, hey, and if we were all this part, and he goes through all of that, and he talks about the importance of us not being the same thing and the importance of us all having our individual roles. Now let's jump back to verse 20. 
Now there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head, uh, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. That's huge. Those parts that are weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor and our unpresentable and our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. 25. So that there would be no division in the body, but that its members would have the same concern for each other. That is unity. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is what we feel right now. We all know people who are in different places, both in belief, both in the way they feel, in where they stand, and how they're moving forward in 2021. And our heart breaks for those people. And so we're torn. Then we also know people who are just like us. Same stance, same belief, same everything. We love those people. And we're in this, ah. And the reason we feel like that is because we are divided. We're divided. There is not unity. And if you would if you would go to this crowd or this person, and this crowd and this person say, hey, God's greater than all this. And if you would put our action step into place, you would slowly pull, a, pull those pieces together. Because verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And that's really 1 Corinthians chapter 12 summarized. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. You are the body, whole, and you're also an individual member of it. You're a community of faith. You're the church, both at your house and at your office. You're the church with everybody engaged today, right now. You're the church as you listen to the podcast right now. So then now that we can see the kind of the full perspective of the why of the church, the capital C church, how do we put it in action? How do we put it in action? We get back to who we were intended to be, community of faith, like-minded believers with the same heart after the same thing, focused on what unites us, not on what tears us apart. Focused on what unites us, not on what tears us apart. In all of that, you see the Acts Y that we did last week. I'm not going to jump through this. I just want you to take a look. I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, and we're closing. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Our Y is verse 43. Our Hauser are verse 44 and 46. And what we do is verse 42, 45, and 47. This is the church. This isn't modern. This isn't traditional. It's the original model. It's organic. It happens through relationship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The result of the first church was discipleship. It was more followers of Jesus, not more members of an institution. 
let that sit for a second. More followers of Jesus, not more members of an institution. God added to their number daily. After Peter preached, it wasn't random. It was intentional. See in Acts, Peter preaches, 3,000 were saved. And it's like, whew, that's great. How do I get that? Right? It's a great metric. It really is. It was intentional. That was intentional. And after Peter preached and, and they began to live out what the first church was going to look like, it wasn't because they had awesome services. Okay? It wasn't because somebody brought over a guitar. Okay? It was because they had authentic relationship. The Bible tells they were like family. So it wasn't because they had awesome services. It was because they had authentic relationship, community, community. The church grows without a building because it's about discipleship, because the why is discipleship. Build them and they will become. We all have responsibility in this. This is, we're all at different places, different, <laughs> different times, different seasons. But we all have responsibility and build them and they will become. It's discipleship. It is discipleship. And so when the church, the reality, because the reality is when the church becomes about the place, we miss the why. Discipleship falls off. Followers become less, right? The word, the gospel, the living truth, the word falls on deaf ears and people walk away. It's because we've lowered the standard and the expectation of what the church is about. This is the greatest cause on the face of the earth. But because it's so low and it's become about entertainment, anything else, anything other than the gospel, we've missed it. We're missing it. And we're fortunate. If you're with me today, we're fortunate because we still, we still have it. We're still connected in some way to the why of the church, to the why of Jesus Christ, to why God sent his son. And so then, throughout Acts, what we see is the people who gathered from Acts 2, 42 to 47, they were like family. What does it mean to be like family? It means you already have relationship. They were already connected. There was already unity. They were already together. That's what you see. They had meaningful relationship. They had meaningful community already. They were united. They didn't have to rent out space or a sound system. They simply gathered and new people came by connection to another. Right? New people came because they knew somebody. This is why we ask, who do you know that's close to you but far from God? Why do we say that? Because those people who you have relationship with are the most likely to get engaged. They're already more like you. They know how you believe. They, not, they might not believe like you. They, not, not, they might not come around or come together around the commonality of Jesus being the Lord, right? They might not come around that. But there's something you have in common with them that you can build on that will create the opportunity for them to come into a relationship with the same God that you know, the same Jesus that you know, the same God you serve. And so over the past four weeks, we have discussed in depth your why as a, as a follower of Jesus, our why as the church. Next week, we're going to solidify and simplify all of these. We're going to discuss discipleship and what difference it makes. Because remember, the church is about building the one, not building a building. This is about discipleship. So do not miss that message. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.